Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Liz. How's it going today? It's a kind of a, it's weird weather. You know, this morning I woke up and I thought, oh, the air is fresh. And I went in and I did a little workout and I walked back outside and the air is not fresh. It wasn't. So, same thing. I got up at five o'clock because I specifically wanted to get an early work in, uh, in my um, morning because I had so much to do today. And it was cold and it was dark and it actually was nice. Yeah. And I'm telling you, by the time I got home, because I went out and rode my bike, by the time I got home, uh, the sun had started to come up and I could already smell smoke in the air. It's crazy. What? Just, we, we got a little glimpse of hope there with the nice clean air for a couple of days and now it's it's smoky again. So Yeah, California, the West Coast is on fire, y'all. It, it still is. Yeah, so we're yeah. really, really hoping and sending good positive thoughts out there to all of the people who are working so hard to make this go away. So absolutely. It's been yeah, absolutely. a tricky time. But but overall, today's a good day. So uh, Yeah. <laughs> 2020's off to a great start. I mean, here we are, what, two-thirds of the way it's through. It's almost and Christmas. It is. <laughs> And it has been a year. I know. It has been a year. How is it almost Christmas? Dear God. Well, according to Costco, it's well, well into Christmas. Oh, and Target and all, you know, there's Christmas stuff is out. Maybe the hope is that if they just get the holiday stuff out, that we can push the year along. Maybe. Did you watch the Emmys? Speaking of that, no, did you but watch I heard the they Emmys? were. I heard they were very creatively done. Very creatively done. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was done is the cast from um, Little Fires Everywhere. Is mm -hmm. that the name of the show? Um, they did a New Year's Eve party, so they wore glasses that said 2021, oh, and they actually at one point counted down to <laughs> 2021 because we're done. And Jimmy Kimmel was like, I. I don't think it works that way. No. We're like, no, it does. We're done with this year. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it that, was great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm ready to be done with it. So, But here we are waiting. Yes. We're waiting. We are waiting. <laughs> what is... Waiting is hard. It really is. And especially... You know, well, not especially, but depending on what you're waiting for, it can be especially difficult to, to be waiting so um, yeah. what what things have you felt like you've been waiting around for <laughs> well you know I I'm, I have I have two jobs um, but I have not been able to return to either one of them March 13th was my last day at both jobs where I work with students with special ed, with mm -hmm. special needs, and I teach theater, and I also work at the local theater, where I have done everything from greet to direct to acting. Right. And so uh, March 13th was my last day working, and wow. so I'm waiting 
for news of whether or not I can return to work. Yeah. I'm waiting for uh, freedom to go out to dinner, mm-hmm. you know. And yet, and yet the truth of the matter is, is I don't want to put myself or anyone I love at risk. Exactly. So the other thing I'm waiting for is for science mm-hmm. to give us some answers. Yes. You know, well, I think we're all waiting. We wait and we look at those numbers, the COVID numbers, and we wait and we watch and we hope that they're going to go down. And, you know, you watch the little line on the graph if it's going to go up or down or dip or what it's going to do. And it's like, oh, it just sometimes it feels like it's an eternity to just wait and wait and wait. Mm -hmm. And we still don't know. You know, I mean, it seems like in a lot of the parts of the world it is going down Mm -hmm. and there's some hope. But in other places here in the country, it's still kind of going up. And so, but yeah, waiting to wonder if you're going to get your job. I mean, our school's been closed. Right. And we're waiting and waiting to, you know, can we, are we going to be able to recover? Will will the school here be able to recover from, from this? And we think we have hope that we're going to, but we're going to have to wait. So just, was it yesterday? Was yeah. it yesterday you guys were able to open? Yeah, we reopened Oxford, yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see here in your studio how different things are. Mm-hmm. I see all the protections and the, yep. the you know, the, the sheets, shower, the shower curtains, curtains. In between all. all the rooms. And, and we, we invested in um, pianos. So in our piano rooms, we've got two, two pianos so that they can be separated and... Um, then in a, if it's a guitar lesson or a violin lesson, they can be distanced. But mm-hmm. but still singing wise, we can't we can't do in person singing lessons. So that'll still all be on Zoom. So the teachers, if if they want to come in, can come in and teach from their room. Oh, you know, okay. and hopefully they will because hopefully that'll encourage people to come in because we we were cleared from the county finally after almost seven months. Of waiting right and so um, yesterday was a good day because we were able to we, we confidently feel like we can open our doors you know and so safely and confidently but waiting now to see if our numbers are going to turn back around and if our school's gonna recover from all this so right and oh. you know I've been in this facility when you have just had just tons of people slammed busy (laughs) slam busy and big groups of Mm -hmm. people not only the choir that I've been a part of for a few years but I've worked with children's groups and we've directed shows and I've also performed in shows that have happened here in this Mm -hmm. space so definitely I mean when we did Little Mermaid a couple of years ago this place was slammed it was so crowded it was just elbows to shoulders yep. to, you know yep. people were just jammed in well, one and of them that was a great it's such a yeah. great energy and I to know. think that that might not happen for a while is very hard it's it's hard and it you know i mean money is money but um we're paying still a lot of money to have this space and for it to be basically vacant it's been an apartment for our cat (laughs) it's been a four thousand square foot apartment for the cat (laughs) who's already a little bit spoiled she is you know (laughs) so 
it's just it's a lot of money for that <laughs> yeah I think I, I might have told you that I have a friend who's a nurse practitioner who actually spent some time in her office because she wanted to protect her elderly parents who live with her okay. and so the office that she had just opened about a year ago which was it's it's an incredible space not even in the state of California it's in another state but uh, you know at there was a period of time when her and her husband, you know, had to move into there for just a little bit of time just so they could make sure that her parents were safe mm -hmm. and her patients were safe and right. everybody was safe. So I think that we're all being creative. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much the whole world right now, we're having to, like, collectively we're waiting. Mm -hmm. There's this sense of waiting and there's a sense of trying to be okay in the waiting finding other things to do while we wait, finding another sense of purpose, maybe exploring other interests while we wait and figuring other things out while we wait. But I think waiting is a thing that, you know, if I look back on my life, there's been lots of things that have been fun to wait for. Like, you know, you get engaged and now you have to wait for a year or whatever and you're planning and there's there's that kind of waiting that's exciting waiting, you know. Anticipation and every day uh -huh. that goes by, you're closer to the big exactly. event. Or, and that feels amazing. Yeah. Or like waiting to graduate from high school when you're like six months away and, and you're just you just can't wait to to be done and to graduate. And so I mean waiting can be exciting and difficult and then crappy. <laughs> difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, you know, yeah. Depending on what it is. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording about being pregnant and, yeah, and waiting exactly. um, for the baby to come. And gosh, no time moves slower oh. than those last three months of pregnancy. <laughs> no. And no time moves faster than the first three months of your baby's life. That's right. That's right. It's like, how is this baby three months old? You were just... <laughs> You were just giving me the greatest pain I've ever had. <laughs> I know it all goes so fast. And then, and then tomorrow they're 35. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So waiting can be really hard. You know, this week I've been thinking a lot about waiting. And one of the things that I um, kind of was thinking about was the television show Quantum Leap. Yeah. You, yeah. You had mentioned that to me. And I remember seeing it advertised, but... I can't honestly tell you that I watched maybe more than one or two episodes. So. Well, the premise of the show is that Sam, Sam Beckett, um, he traveled through time mm -hmm. and um, he would leap into the bodies of people whose lives needed to be adjusted a little okay. bit and so at the beginning of the show every week it had this little blurb and this little monologue at the very beginning that would kind of explain what Sam's journey was and one of the things it says is striving to make right what once went wrong oh, I like that. and that's what Sam did is he he would you know leap into these bodies and and kind of fix mistakes that that those people had made that had then changed their futures in a in a negative way. Okay. Okay. And it was it was super fun to watch every week. It was must-see TV for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I know we had a VHS tape recorder and we actually recorded a lot of the episodes. My husband and I enjoyed it a lot. But one of the premises of the show was while Sam was there inhabiting the body of a person. 
everybody could only see Sam as the person whose body he was in, not Sam himself. Gotcha. So that person then was in a waiting room and was generally confused, um, <laughs> uh, was hopefully in kind of a catatonic sort of state so okay. they weren't being traumatized. But every once in a while, Al, who was like Sam's uh, guide or his connection between modern times and his, he had a little computer and he would put in information and he would kind of come as a hologram and Sam would see him as a hologram. And so Al, every once in a while, would say, oh, your, your guy is in the waiting room right now and all he does is, you know, rant and rave about ice cream or whatever it was. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I just remember thinking about that concept, thinking about being in a waiting room and not quite understanding what's going on around you right. and being able to get back to your life at some point when Sam leaps out, the other person leaps in and they have no idea that something has gone on I see. behind the scenes to fix whatever was going on. Whatever was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of drama and a lot of excitement between Sam and Al and all the people whose lives that they were touching. So right now you are waiting mm -hmm. to get back into your home up yeah. in the mountains. Yes, we are. And because of the California fires, you have not been there for, what, a month? Uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, three you're weeks. waiting. Right, right. And but behind the scenes, it's not like there's people doing nothing. Behind the scenes, there are people doing all kinds of things that we don't even understand, you know, in terms of how firefighters are risking their lives and probably being hungry and exhausted and working 24-7 and all the people who are trying to support them and just so, there's so much going on and we're just over here going, okay. Um, another day, another day. And, I mean, and there was, there was about 72 hours that it was really in question. I mean, we really didn't know if if our house was going to make it through or not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to get to the point where you have to be, okay, this is a real possibility that this could could be a not good outcome, you know. And, and for many people, it was not a good outcome. And I feel very blessed and thankful that in our situation it was. But honestly, we live in an area that, and, and the way the weather's changing and the fires or the season is longer. And mm -hmm. I mean, we, would I buy a home again in the foothills that is a, <laughs> potentially a fire? I don't, I mean, you know, you just don't think about that necessarily. But um, yeah, so we waited those 72 hours. I mean, John and I were like, I mean, we didn't drink a lot or anything like that, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was just this weird anxiety 
that we were in yeah. trying to wait. And you kind of us. have to do an accelerated move through all the different stages of grief. You it, know, yeah. you, you have yeah. to accept, you have to scream, you have to be angry, you have to cry, you have to do all of yeah, those things was, because you have no idea yeah. what the outcome's going to be or what your answers and are going to be. And that's, I think, a lot of what's hard about waiting for things too is the not knowing. Mm-hmm. I think people do better, even if, even if the information is bad, it's almost better to know it than be in that limbo of not knowing when you're waiting for something like waiting for a diagnosis or, you know, those kinds of things are just, just almost unbearable things to wait for when you just don't know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I've been in that situation too. So have you, where you're like waiting to see what the doctor is going to say, or, you know, if you have, if you have anxiety about going to the dentist and, you know, now it's the day before and there's just that anxiety and that waiting of just getting through that. Just little stuff like that Right. for people waiting can be so hard. Right. I, I remember when my oldest son was uh, in a in a crisis situation and and I went and I had a chat with a pastor and I said to the pastor, I said, you know, I'm to the point now where whatever happens, I'm okay with it as long as I know that he's going to be okay. Right. I mean, it's, it's like I'm, I'm okay with whatever has to happen to make him well. And um, the pastor said, you know, that acceptance and that prayer, that's not for him. That's for you. And that's a place that you needed to come mm-hmm. to. And um, it was about two days later that uh, the situation kind of came crashing down. And um, in many ways, my son's situation kind of hit bottom and all the bad stuff kind of came raining down. And I remember having so much peace and so much joy, actually, because I thought back at that conversation I had had with the pastor just a couple of days earlier, and I recognized that I had been given the gift of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And whatever was going to happen, I was okay. Right. And I had the belief that things were just going to get better from, from there. Right. And, um, you know, we came through that crisis, and today he's an incredible young man, and we're all fine. And so looking back at that time, just waiting every yeah. day, I waited for the him to get worse. I waited for a phone call. I waited for a visit. I waited for, you know, all of these mm-hmm. bad things. Mm-hmm. I just waited and waited and yeah. waited. And then when it finally came to the point where, you know, the worst happened, basically, mm-hmm. um, I was... I was completely at peace. Yeah, that's and that's and that awesome. was a great gift. That's that really awesome. was a great gift. It makes me think of <clears throat> five years ago. My son said to me, "Mom, I have a Groupon, and I want you to come skydiving with me." <laughs> and so he asked me like in April, and the date was like in June. Yeah. So from April to June, I had all that time to wait, uh, you know, and, and honestly, I, I didn't really think about it much. I mean, I knew it was coming and I knew that I was afraid of it, but I, I didn't, I didn't put a lot into it. About a week before I, st- <laughs> I started having 
I started thinking about it. Yeah. I started thinking about it and I started thinking about the possibilities and I started Googling, you know, skydiving accidents and <laughs> <laughs> what are the the odds and all this stuff. And Liz And what's the accident rate of this particular yeah. place where we're going? Yeah, all all of that. And but I knew that I could not wimp out because I told my son I was gonna do it and I just I was gonna do it. And so the morning of, I think that's one of the longest six or seven hours of my life. It felt like, I don't know, I, I had to drive to Sacramento yeah. to meet, meet up with him. And then we had to drive about another hour to this little place where we went. Ooh, wow. And when I'm driving to Sacramento, I, I, I had so much anxiety that I couldn't eat. Did you go by yourself? I drove by myself. Okay. I left right. John was at home. Okay. I drove by myself. And really, it, this is about getting to the place of acceptance. I mean, I went through this rigmarole in my mind and spirit with God that, and I, and I did. I got to the place where it was like, if I die today, then I'm going to die today. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that... I had to do that. I had to get to this. And it really did. It felt like a month. But just that, that drive to Sacramento. And then I got to Zach's and he's like, I couldn't eat. I was just, I had, you know. And then we got to the place and I'm just thinking, what in the F am I doing? Now, had he ever gone skydiving no, before? No. So this was a first for him. Mm -hmm. How was his anxiety he level? He was not. And he's got a shirt that says Carpe Diem and, <laughs> ah, you know, and his, his mom is going to go with him. And we get in that little airplane that, well, first you think, they tell you that they're going to, um, they're going to teach you how to fold up the, 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 the parachute person. and all this stuff. They don't do that. They shove it in a bag. The guy's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I mean, it was. It was like that. It, it, it wasn't, you know, now it's different because we were tandem jumping. And right. so if I was going to jump by myself, I'm sure there would have been something else they would have had to teach me. But anyway, I, it it was the scariest, most liberating thing I have ever done in my life. And awesome? the waiting for that was the most, it was, it was excruciating to wait to actually then do it and get onto the and plane get on to and the how plane. many jumpers were in the plane it was me and just me just and the my, two of you. there was the pilot and it was just this little crappy little plane that felt like a volkswagen that had been gutted right yeah. i'm serious and yeah. and the wind and you can feel the air and and it's loud and it's like for bump bouncing around in there and you're hooked to this guy and each one of you had a separate guy mm -hmm. that you were okay. And, you know, I'm and I went first. And so literally you're hanging out of the side of the airplane. Right. Your feet are on the wing. Right? And you're here and the guy is behind you. And you're 13,500 feet up. And he taps you on the shoulder. When he taps you on the shoulder, you just, you like roll out of the airplane. And and if he if you didn't roll out, he would have pushed you because he's behind you. Uh -huh. Well, yeah. he, and I mean, he kind of helps it's you. It's time to go. He kind of just makes you go. Oh man! And then he 
at a point he ta he goes like this and then you then you can open your eyes and go like this and then you feel like you're Superman and there was you can't really see what she's doing but she's putting out her arms yeah, and she's you're, flying you're, like you're, a you're Superman <laughs> and and then and and, <laughs> and then and then the shoot opens Oh, it, which wow. in this, when you're in Superman mode, you feel like it's a long time, but it's like 40 seconds, which right. that's still pretty long. You're free falling yeah. for like 40, 45 seconds. Yeah. And then the chute comes up and opens up and you realize that you, it, it opens. <laughs> and you survived and oh, you're probably going to survive. I, I turned around to the guy and I told him I loved him. <laughs> and it's all on a video. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but... Waiting to do that and then actually following through and doing it. Yeah. It was excruciating. Well, and, and I will tell you, I watched my oh. daughter jump off of, a, a, go bungee jumping off of the tallest bridge bungee jump in the world, which that is in. That's different. I couldn't in do that. In South Africa. I don't think I could and, do that. Um, and so I watched her do it. And to this day, I do not have any regrets about not having gone. <laughs> fine to just watch her but I'll tell you what as far as waiting about I don't know a year later nine months later something like that one of my other sons went to South Africa and went with her and they jumped off that bridge they together. did it again they, so my daughter did it for a second time and one of my sons did it for the first time and I'll tell you what that was difficult to be on this continent and know that two of my children are jumping off a bridge are jumping off of a bridge and oh now I have to wait to hear if they've survived correct oh correct that's wrong <laughs> And that it was hard. I mean, I I just have to tell you that I texted at one point. I texted one of them and I said, "How was it?" And I'm thinking, I don't know if they're even getting this text because it's in South Africa, right. and I we don't do this very often because right. of the cost and right. all that. But I just I just couldn't wait. So I texted and I and I said, "How was it?" And I got the word back, transcendent. Okay. So, and so I was like, "Okay, they have survived. That's all I need to know. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I can turn off my phone now." Right. Well, you know, another thing about waiting, and you know, my sister and I were talking about this this morning. So she has a daughter who was supposed to get married in April. I think we touched on this last week, mm -hmm. and they're. Um, uh, had to reschedule it for November and they are going to go ahead and there's going to be a wedding. And we were talking about just, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of family from California who aren't going to go to the wedding because, um, it's just getting on airplanes and all that stuff. And there's, there's, you know, there's fear there that there could be illness and on the plane and stuff. But we were just saying, you know, the reality is, is that there's every single day we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and so instead of waiting around for bad stuff, which I sometimes have had a tendency to do in my life, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to just look forward to good and wait for good stuff right. and, and trust that if something bad does happen, because bad stuff does happen, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so I want to, I would rather wait and have a positive outlook and wait for good hopeful things than wait for scary things and but sometimes yeah. but waiting can feel so scary and it's so hard and 
and and to that though we also we also need to protect ourselves as much as possible mm -hmm. i mean we wear seat belts that's right uh, we don't we're not afraid of dying in a car accident but we do wear a seat belt that's right. in order and to minimize the risk that's right and we try to mind the the rules of the road and you right. know all of those things and so you know but and know. so and so we don't want to stop living our lives but we are very well aware of what we should be doing to minimize the risk that's exactly whether right. it's wearing masks or eating outside right. um, or limiting the, the groups of people that we're with to that's very right. small groups it, it feels like it's an invasion of our privacy and yet you know we're walk we're all trying to walk that line between not living in fear and, and being respectful. responsible mm -hmm. and Res respectful exactly. to one another exactly and to ourselves yeah exactly yeah i don't know i waiting yeah it's a it's definitely a tough situation one of the other things that i uh, kind of came up with was when you were talking about your house and when I was telling the story of Quantum Leap, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that yeah. are working really, really hard to make sure we get back to life. Yeah. And with the virus, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, nobody is saying your job is just to wait and the rest of us are going to do nothing but wait with you. Exactly. I mean, people are working very hard yeah. to get us back to life. Well, think about all the doctors and nurses and hospital workers and just... And just scientists. All, yeah. You know? Working 24-7, really, many of them. Right. And the fact that this is a novel, you know, obviously we're not scientists, we're not doctors, we're, we're not speaking from a place of authority at no. all. No. But the reason that they called it a novel... A virus is because it's new yeah and so we don't know what's going to happen That's all we know is that we can take control mm -hmm. over how we take care of one another and take care of ourselves that's right yeah that's right well and how we wait how we choose to respond instead of react mm -hmm. to what's going on around us and you know all we're all we are all being kind of forced to to wait yeah. and to be still and yeah. to just chill out for a minute and just relax and breathe and just you know I mean it feels like it's been forever but really when you think of a whole lifetime you know six months it's a it's just a little blip it's not even a whole pregnancy uh, right <laughs> <laughs> that's right I mean, we can get through this, and it. Uh, I know that we all we all react differently, and time feels very different to all of us. And it's very easy to to tell other people, well, you should be doing this, or you shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing that. But I don't think any of us can really tell another person how to get through a waiting no. time. You know, I've been in hospital waiting rooms waiting for somebody to get out of surgery yep. and I've seen people completely fall apart and sobbing in a waiting room. I've also seen people completely detach mm -hmm. and watch television or play video games mm -hmm. um, and, and neither one of those people are doing it wrong. That's, that's right. Because it's, it, it feels out of our control mm -hmm. to have to wait sometimes. 
And so you do the best that you can based on what you've got. Exactly. And you do the you do the best you can at the time you're in, you know? You really, really do. Yeah. So. Yeah. How many waiting rooms have you been in? I mean, what many. Are the different kinds of waiting rooms you've been in? Well, I think the, the, the last kind of intense one I was in was when my very elderly grandma um, had a heart valve replacement. Okay. And, you know, she was 95 or 96 when they were going to go in there and kind of do a newer procedure on her because they didn't have to... Um, open her up they were able to go in through the artery and stuff mm -hmm. and but she's 95 years old you know and and um a pastor came and prayed with her and we were all there waiting and she came out of it but that you know that was a tricky one because just but she she was just like i'm at peace i'm 95 i'm at peace <laughs> Right. You know, I swear, I think all hospital rooms need to be like a like a pediatrician's waiting room. I know. There should I be know. games and there should be, we should all be distracted with little puzzles. And I've also, I've also, because I'm a hospice volunteer, I've also been at the bedside of people who are mm -hmm. kind of waiting in that kind of an mm -hmm. intense waiting environment, I'll say. Mm -hmm. I just went and visited somebody um, on Sunday who um, was, he's been in hospice now for seven months and it's much longer than they thought, you know, he's outlasting what they said, but he knows that it's inevitable and, you know, and we talk really openly about that, but like to be in that kind of a waiting, you know, waiting and knowing that the end of your life is coming and I mean, you really do know, I mean, none of us know, but if you're in hospice, and you're still conscious, you know that that end is near. And I have sat sat by many, many bedsides and talked to people who know that they maybe even have days or and they're still conscious. You know, mm -hmm. I've been in situations where they aren't, but um, uh, just that's that that's an intense waiting. Yeah, you know. And so in those kinds of situations, you're also dealing with the families mm -hmm. of these people who are in the hospice care and they too are waiting. They and are. I, I bet you see a lot of uh, varying responses to that period. I, I have. I most of the situations that that I've been in thus far because I've only been doing it about 2 years. Mm -hmm. Um I haven't run into any kind of hostilities or anger, but when you go through the training for it, mm -hmm. it's talked about because it does happen mm -hmm. where a family member is angry and they're in that stage of grief still. And, or even the patient is, is angry because they're, you know, they're just, they haven't come through those to where they're in the acceptance phase yet. Mm -hmm. So you're trained to, you know, kind of, try your best to handle those kind of situations. So thankfully I haven't been in that yet. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll see people who are at peace mm -hmm. and people who are pissed. And, and it's like peace and pissed. 
and there's yeah. the whole continuum in between that. And that's a big wide yeah. chasm. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. um, and we also I think need to give each other room and give each other grace mm-hmm. uh, to react and respond, not the way we would, but the way they yeah. need to. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're in such we're in such difficult times right now, and we're all kind of in this together, and yet and yet we all are in this separately because honestly. I think every one of us are responding and reacting yeah. differently yeah. based on uh, what we want to be doing, what we should be doing, what our families are doing, mm-hmm. our concerns for our children, mm-hmm. our grandchildren, our you know elderly parents. Mm-hmm. All of that is exactly. coming into play. Exactly. You know, right now I, I'm two weeks out from having medication. I I'm on, I have one medication, one you know one prescription medication, mm-hmm. and it's like I. I just take it for granted that I can take that medication every single day. And this particular medication was recalled a couple of weeks ago. And so come to find out, I've been taking it for maybe a month and it wasn't the right efficacy or it wasn't the right dosage or whatever. So I had to go return it and I got my money back. And so now the doctor's going to place an order for another medication that can take the place. And because of just because of stupid things like a fax machine. A fax machine. Who uses fax machines? I don't well, I'll know tell anymore. You, pharmacies. Pharmacies use fax oh, machines. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so because of a kind of a mess up with a fax machine, then they didn't get the prescription refill and the doctor thought and the pharmacy thought, oh, yada, gosh. yada, yada. Uh-huh. And so here we are two weeks later and I still don't have the medication. Oh, gosh, Liz. So it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to collapse, you right. know, but I do feel feel uh, less than I felt two weeks ago or, or a month ago. Mm-hmm. I feel less healthy than I did a month ago. I feel less energetic, less well. Um, but I also know that because of what we're in uh, with the fires and the and COVID mm-hmm. and my being out of work and, you know, check, 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 I know that my reaction to this kind of first world problem. I mean, let's be real, it's kind of a first world problem. It's our first pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even this this medication thing, I know that my reaction to it, because I just yesterday just, you know, went to my room and just kind of laid down on the bed and cried for 10 minutes. And it's not the end of the world. But I think it's, it was a reminder to be kind to myself, mm-hmm. to be kind to others mm-hmm. who are reacting crazy. And I put that in quotes because nobody's acting crazy, Every, actually. Everyone's just trying to deal with all this. Everybody's just trying to deal. And the uncertainty of the waiting of it all. <laughs> right. I right. know. So we That's can... Funny. I, have a, I have a medication issue, too. That's interesting. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> we get together we're like me too yeah i totally have a medication thing where it just went up yeah it went up like a lot like financially yes like it's like a hundred dollars more a month oh like really so yeah i hate that i know it's we'll talk on another podcast about medications (laughs) (laughs) um but i do think it's a reminder to be kind to one another Mm -hmm. to give each other um, the permission room. and room yeah. to be grumpy. Yeah. And when we see things on social media that say, you're such an idiot because you should blah, blah, blah. You know what? 
maybe you think that I'm acting like an idiot, and that's okay. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm I'm reacting not just to the pandemic or just to the fires. I'm kind of reacting to to kind of you know little trickles of water that are kind of going on in my life. But that's true for all of us. Right. Well, and the other thing, Liz, is that just because you think something doesn't mean that you have to say it. <laughs> you, what? You know? I mean, like, I might think that that guy is being a jerk or whatever, but I don't have to say it out loud. I can think it and let it pass. And so that... that crappy energy isn't out there right and i can just you know you know what i mean this is why we need to journal uh-huh. or have a really loving husband or spouse or partner or best friend who recognizes that we're going to say something that maybe tomorrow we wouldn't say and they're going to love us anyway exactly exactly speaking of loving husbands mine he brought me lunch today and i wasn't expecting that it was very kind that's very sweet i know and i thought i was going to have to wait till like five to eat and he brought me food oh that's very sweet yeah my husband's having to work he works full-time from home you know, he was doing that even before the pandemic. Uh, he's been doing that for a few years. But before the pandemic, I left the house and went right. to work. <laughs> right. And so now and you now are. I'm there. <laughs> I, I know I'm there underfoot. I and, see it. Uh, I see it. I see the whole thing. <laughs> and he does keep the door closed, but uh, every once in a while I'll just open the door or I'll look in and I just see his hands rest on the keyboard and look at me like, what, 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 you know? And I'm just like, and exit stage right. (laughs) Get out of his way. Um, And and so this has been definitely a time of transition. Um, But I will, you know, peek in and say, so do you want lunch? Or, you know, I might be okay to wait until 1.30 or 2 o'clock for lunch, but he wants it at noon. And and I'm not going to make two lunches. Do you guys text while he's working and you have your phones and he'll text you? Uh, Every every once in a while when he's in a meeting, I'll do that. But, and I know when he's in a meeting because the door is closed. Um, but, you know, we, we, you know, you have to communicate with one another that's in your home and you have to communicate with, you know, people that maybe you didn't have to communicate mm-hmm. with or right. you're communicating that's definitely right. in a different way. Right, right. So we're all waiting to be <sighs> freed. To be, to be <laughs> we're all waiting to be freed. But you know what, yeah. Deb, let's, let's work really hard to show one another uh, grace. Yep. And I'm with you there. Patience. To- totally with you. Yeah, because we're all in this together, and yet we're all experiencing it just a little bit different. Yep. And so give people the room to be who they are. Absolutely. You know. So. Absolutely. Okay, back to the waiting room. Okay. See it. I'll, I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye, Deb. Bye.